As the Oscars So White hashtag gets another workout this year, television can be faster off the mark on social matters if it chooses to, and Fox Television chose to take on the burgeoning Latino demographic with the animated sitcom Border Town. Fox recruited for its writer's room from outside Hollywood. Gustavo Arellano, the editor of the OC Weekly, and Lalo Alcaraz, creator of the syndicated comic strip La Cucaracha. First, Lalo Alcaraz. The town is called Mexifornia, and uh, even though it sounds like Calexico, um, it's like our Springfield, uh, you know, uh, on the border. It could be anywhere, now, except this, Canada, not up there. Is this show intended to be South Park at sea level or what? <laughs> It, it, it's all in the family in the desert mixed in with a bit of Bob's Burgers and Aslan. Uh, really, what we're trying to do is a satire, not just of Mexican and American relations, but also a satire of the American Southwest. So while the rest of the country will see a show that deals with, yeah, what happens when Mexican, Latinos, but Mexicans specifically become uh, the majority in a town, those of us in the Southwest will love all the, the visuals, you know, the, the, or the visual cues that say, yeah, this is very much a Southwestern show. The megachurches, the obsessions with high school football. Even this, our beloved Santa Ana Winds will make a full cameo in, a, in an upcoming episode that's going to be our version of Treehouse of Horror. Speaking of borders, how do you not cross the line, get really close to the line, but not cross it when it comes to satire and <laughs> stereotypes? Or do you want to cross that line and offend equal opportunity? Uh, well, I, I think we we come up to it, we cross it occasionally, we fly over it. Um, but I do you think dig part, under it with a tunnel? Yeah, that's right. We chopify it. You know, I think part of the <laughs> the goal is is to uh, play with uh, the stereotypes or the archetypes. You know, uh, like people recognize these characters. We give them a little dimension uh, and and depth, which is amazing. In in comics, you can do so much. And give characters like really lots of uh, actual human dimension and characteristics and 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 things, and uh, people uh, will generally uh, forgive it and and realize well that's how people are. You know, people we're, we're you know my dad was a gardener, my mom cleaned houses. I mean, you could say they're stereotypes, but uh, you know they're they were strong, hardworking people. Gustavo Ariano, are the bulk of the jokes at the expense of the dumb white dad? Absolutely. Um, no. <laughs> well, the most important thing for us in Bordertown is to always punch up, never punch down. So when it comes to humor, we really are equal opportunity offenders. And the funny thing, some of the critiques so far that we've received from Bordertown is that we do make fun of liberal pomposity as well. There's a character called Bob Mothers that's a dead ringer for Bill Maher and sort of his mudness and his very much liberal attitude. And the interesting thing with that critique is like they say, oh, they're equating Donald Trump noxiousness to Bill Maher. Absolutely not. But if you're not able to make fun of, uh, you know, liberals and the left, then you really are just a hack. And one, that's one thing we are not. So, yeah, the main the protagonist is Bud Buckwald, a white Border Patrol agent who, who fears this new Mexican world in front of him. But that said, Bud is still a father. Bud is still, uh, you know, a husband. Bud is still someone with humanity. He might not be the, uh, the sharpest uh, tortilla chip in the nacho pile, but at the same time, you know, he's if you just play him off as a dumb, uh, racist guy, after a while it's going to be uh, tiresome. Let's talk about the news a little bit. For mm -hmm. one thing, we have a presidential race with two Cubanos, Cuban-Americans, running for president of the United States. 
Yeah, and they would deport all of us uh, immediately if uh, they got in, you know. So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not the king of Latinos, but if I was, I, I would think that people that want to deport uh, their own people um, don't qualify. Uh, we also have uh, Donald Trump, who for a while there was, uh, we were joking that we were giving him co-writing credit for my Border Wall episode, which we wrote two years ago. And uh, and Donald Trump out of the blue starts pitching his border wall idea, and then El Chapo breaks out of prison using a tunnel. And these are like, are these people uh, eavesdropping on our sh- on our writers' room or what? What goes on in the writers' room? Because we hear so much about writers' rooms as being very white and very male. Do you knock down stereotypes when people bring them up? It, there is a there is a, an awkwardness sometimes that happen when this happened to me. I tell the story about um, the head writer pitched. Uh, a, a joke that I didn't think would fly and I, I thought was kind of stale and an old trope. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I'm not saying it was racist, but I'm saying it was kind of tired and stereotypical. Uh, and so and we went back and forth on it. And that's not that's not what you do in a typical Hollywood writer's what room. What was what was the joke? Uh, there's um, Bud's daughter uh, has a heart attack. She's like five years old and she's like, you know, weighs you know, maybe 200-something pounds. And so uh, they have to go to Mexico because uh, Bud doesn't have any health insurance. And they go to a Mexican hospital. And the heart uh, that she gets that was pitched in the room, I won't give away what what the real heart uh, ends up being, but the heart in the joke was a can of beans. And I just thought, uh, you know, that's not... Been there, done that. Yeah, you know, let's... Let's be more creative with that, and it's more problems than you know than it's worth. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was awkward discussion, and and w- there's v- various times we had discussions like that. And I I like when uh, you know the white guy writers pitch a Mexican joke and it's good and smart uh, and, and funny. And I saw the Family Guy writers room. I saw it with my own eyes, and yeah, there was not a woman there, and there was not a non-white person there. What we brought in was sort of, you know, I guess what people, our fans know us for, that political perspective coming, you know, from a cartoonist and a columnist, and in my case with OC Weekly, an editor, that's a little bit more attuned to what's going on in the real world than in the Hollywood bubble. Does each of you have a favorite moment from Border Town? In one uh, upcoming episode, is, if it's in Gustavo's episode, uh, I wrote uh, a joke about menudo. Mexican claiming, haggis. Yes, I was claiming that it was the first ever primetime uh, joke about menudo. And uh, somebody told me the, the other day, no, in Sanford and Son, there was a whole episode almost about uh, the character uh, Julio takes Red Fox, uh, Fred Sanford, to uh, go eat menudo in, at a Mexican restaurant. And they do like five minutes of menudo jokes. So I'm happy to have written the second menudo joke in primetime uh, American television. But What are you hearing from viewers? When it was first announced, and people only knew that it was going to be a Seth MacFarlane production, a lot of the people were concerned. As, you know, I'm a fan of Seth. I'm a fan of Family Guy. I like that sense of humor. But I understood where the concerns were coming from. So Lalo actually wrote an open letter, especially among, to Chicanos and Latinos, saying, hey, look, it's okay. Like, I'm part of this show. Gustavo's part of this show. We're going to make sure this show is something that people could be proud about. That said, though, there was a lot of apprehension, even with executives at Fox saying, oh, you know, a lot of Latinos are going to find this show offensive. So Lalo and I finally went to the network and said, look, 
let us do a screening, a pre-screening of one episode. We'll go around the country. We'll go and show it to audiences, and we'll let you know. If people are upset by it, if this is going to be a, a disaster of a show, we'll let you know. Overwhelmingly, the audiences were Latinos, and overwhelmingly, the, the feedback was very positive, where people were even saying, like, I thought I was going to be offended by this, and I wasn't. <laughs> it hasn't gotten the numbers you'd hope for. Gustavo is Mr. TV rating science, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I do know that we have matched shows in our similar time as far as, uh, you know, new shows. Uh, we've matched or beat shows that actually get support from the network, <laughs> unlike our show. Uh, we don't really – we get some ads on the network, but, you know, I have yet to see a Border Town billboard or yeah, bus uh, Joe, Joe Buck. Joe Buck once mentioned our show during an NFL broadcast. That's about the extent of commercials that we have gotten. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough – Time slot 9:30, and we're going to be moved to 7 p.m. Uh, starting uh, on in March, which I actually think will be better because, especially when it comes to cartoons, you want a younger audience. They're the ones who devour those cartoons. Yeah, I can't wait to be at seven so we can. I've already ruined my own children's brains, so I can't wait to ruin other people's <laughs> children's brains. Gustavo Ariano, what do you want people to take away from watching Border Town besides some laughs? Basically, that the Mexicans among you are just like you, if not more so. I mean, when you see Border Town, you're going to see Mexicans in all walks of life. Right? The Gonzalez family is a working-class Mexican family, but within that family, you have, say, Ernesto's son, Ruiz. He's your typical early 20s stoner metalhead. I mean, you know, and people really think, oh, Mexicans only listen to uh, Banda and Pujunto Norteño and maybe Morrissey, but how about Mexicans who listen to Slayer and Megadeth? And we can't forget Brujeria, of course. Uh, but then you also see white-collar Mexican-Americans. You see Mexicans of all, all, of all shades, and also shades. So I remember when we started seeing the first actual rough draft of the cartoon, I noticed that all the Mexicans had the same skin tone, kind of like the white people. So then I told Mark, just, I said, hey, you know, just a small suggestion. Tell the artist to vary the skin tone, vary the brownness of the Mexicans, just a little bit here and there. And I guarantee you people will notice it and comment positively because, of course, Mexicans come in all shades. And he did that. So little triumphs like that just to show the diversity of Mexican life. And, again, uh, to debunk the stereotypes of Mexicans just being invaders and, you know, uh, lunatics, the way Trump and the whole GOP (laughs) is trying to make us out to be. And don't you make fun of my English. (laughs) That's English. How dare you say that to me? Oh, everybody knows you people are lazy. Even if I did give you a job, you wouldn't show up. You'd be too busy taking a siesta. Not me, man. I'm all gone cold. Oh, in Vietnam. I won a silver star. Oh, in a crap game? <laughs> Where does this show fit on the long evolution from Desi Arnaz through... Chico and the Man, which we just heard, to Dora the Explorer. And let's not forget Eric Estrada and Chips. Oh, my God. You know, all those shows actually fairly historic shows that you just mentioned, and they have Latino characters in them. This is historic because, you know, we, we have Latino writers uh, behind the, the, the camera also, uh, and we have, you know, Mexican and Mexican-American characters as a major part of it. Uh, but... Uh, I think in the long line, in in the history of television, it's going to go down uh, as a big a big milestone. Um, as far as uh, we 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 hit a new uh, platform for actual people of color 
to have something to say. Gustavo, any pioneer from a minority group has a special burden because that one person is seen as representing the whole group. So if a 19th century Irish businessman, say, screwed up, you can bet people said, oh, that's the Irish for you. They're failures. Do you feel that burden with Bordertown as a Latino TV show? To me, that is sort of the fear because the way Hollywood works, especially the network, they, they just like to copy each other. So if Watertown becomes this humongous smash, then you can expect to see more Latino-themed animation shows, not just on the networks, but across all the various cable channels and Hulu and all that, which I think is a great thing. That leads to more representation of Latinos. That leads to more writers, people in front of and behind of the camera. However, if Watertown flops and if it just it doesn't go on after a season – then those same executives will say, well, you see, Mexicans don't like to see each other, uh, see themselves on television, so why should we bother to give someone else an opportunity? So for me, it's more like, well, if we don't succeed, then we're screwing it up for the people who might want to come up. And to me, that's more of an indictment of Hollywood and the system, the way it is right now than it is of our community and what we do. Well, Gustavo Arellano and Lalo Alcaraz, thank you both. Muy buena suerte. Oh, gracias, gracias. Pat. Thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison and edited and engineered by Todd Levin. You can read the transcript at latimes.com backslash opinion. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.